Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. Well, good morning, Arizona. Welcome to my house. It's Rosie on the House. I'm Rosie, here with my son, Romy, my wife, Sweet Jennifer, and our broadcast engineer, Mr. Gary D. All for the next four hours to broadcast our ho, ho, ho holiday special version of Rosie on the House. Have you got a house full this holiday season? Boy, we sure have a house full. And not only do we have Christmas to celebrate next week, but we have a wedding in the family. So we've got friends and family from all over the country that are here. A little bit later, we'll be talking about tips we've learned on entertaining out-of-town guests for that holiday party. One of the things I love to do with out-of-town guests as they come in from Minneapolis and Ohio and Louisiana is show them the Arizona sky at night. And many times I'll just lay cots out in the backyard and hand people binoculars and say, let's just go out in the backyard and let me show you things you never get to see because you live where clouds exist. We've got the clear sky so much of the year here in Arizona. It is the perfect field to plant young, excited, amateur astrologists. Not astrologers, astronomers. So, in Arizona, we happen to have one of our very own world-renowned sky experts, Dr. Sky, a repeat visitor to Rosie on the House. We always love having Dr. Sky. I would tell you, you need to get to know his website. And without a town guest, take the time to drive your fannies up to Lowell Observatory and spend a day in Flagstaff. You'll get bit by the bug. Dr. Sky, thanks for joining us here this morning. Hey, good morning, Rosie, to you and your family and to all the listeners. The best for a Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, and a most spectacular 2020. How are oh, you this morning? man, we couldn't be better. It seemed to me that 2019 was just a year packed with news about the sky. Absolutely, Rosie. And if we take a look back in time, or still in this year, 2019, probably in many people's opinion, one of the most, I think, prolific stories from the world of astronomy and space is the actual imaging of something that most people early this morning might be wondering, a black hole. You know, this is something you hear about and see in various science fiction movies, but the story summary is this, Rosie, that we as astronomers on the, around the world have imaged through the likings of radio telescopes, an actual image of this dark area. We call it the accretion disk. I know that's a technical word this morning. It's actually the area around the black hole, but the point is, this is an object some 55 billion light years away, and it's amazing. I should say, just to correct myself, 55 million light years away. We're getting way far ahead of ourselves here, but 55 million light years away is something quite interesting in a galaxy that we call M87. It's an amazing, powerful radio source. 
So for the first time in history in humankind, we've actually been able to prove that there's really something there. And Rosie, that's amazing for those in science. It's, it's a, probably one of the big things. Maybe a Nobel Prize goes out to the people who actually did this. Now look, I know it's early, listeners. <laughs> I know the sun's not even up. It's still dark. You, you're probably just getting that first brew of coffee going. But we're talking about something that's five million light years away. And what is the distance in a light year, one light year? Well, we're talking, Rosie, one light year, 5 trillion, 880 billion miles. And 5 trillion <laughs> is a number. You know, we think of those numbers when we think of what? The federal deficit. Oh, man. And, and, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, so a light year is how many miles? 5 trillion, 880 <laughs> billion miles on average. So, so if you think about this object that we just talked about in the M87 galaxy, 55 million light years away, this is something that just boggles not only the mind, but the senses, and, and it's incredible, Rosie. But just back, going back just for a moment, you mentioned it's still dark here, and I just wanted to, if I may, yes. just highlight something very interesting. It's 7.28 this morning, moments away. The sun, of course, will be rising, and that's typical. Every day we, we're blessed with that, and as you Amen. mentioned accurately, we have beautiful skies in Arizona. But, Rosie, today is solstice day. So when that's people right. Look, when people look toward the sun, don't stare at it, obviously, but if you look in that general direction... Just know, Rosie, that behind the sun on solstice day is the nucleus or core of the Milky Way galaxy, some 27,000 light years behind that sun that we depend on, is the core of this big elliptical or you know, giant spiral galaxy. And it's the farthest that the sun rises to the southeast. So for those that are technically minded this morning, the sun rises in azimuth, if you're going around the circle of the you know, 90, 180, 270, and zero back to north. The sun rises at around 118 degrees on the compass. So the point is, in simple summary, that this is the lowest that the sun gets in our sky and the farthest to the right or farthest away from the east. And that officially takes place tonight, the solstice, the amazing time of year, the, the most magical time as we welcome in Christmas and the holidays and Hanukkah and all other special holidays. Around 919 tonight, whatever you're doing, just pay homage to the sky knowing that it's actually the shortest day, only 9 hours and 56 minutes of daylight today. Welcome to the solstice. How about the winter solstice? And the only discouraging part of that whole message is that summer's on the way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> From this point forward, Absolutely. days will only get longer between now and June. That's right, Rosie. And guess what? The sun rises in a few days at 117 <laughs> degrees. So now we see that short period where everything was getting shorter slowly but surely see mother nature doesn't waste any time it's slowly getting to go the other direction isn't that amazing so this morning with the sunrise showing up in about another 15 minutes mm -hmm. you could actually get to a place to observe the eastern horizon see the milky way which is behind the sun Right, but the sun, of course, blocks it out. As we yeah. have. I'm just saying this in the mind's eye, as if the sun, of course, which is the closest of the objects, just behind that where the sun is, is that area. And, and it's a magical time because there were all these different festivals in the world, Saturnalia, right around the solstice time, and, of course, the preludes to Christmas and all the things that are happening. But the solstice is just amazing. But then, for those of you that like warm weather, obviously June the 21st is when the sun will be up around 5.18 in the morning. 
And some of you will say, oh, no, not another day of 120 degrees. <laughs> That's incredible. I always look at that day as the dawning of fall. Yeah, exactly right. I just I just put a positive spin on it. This there is go. the dawning of fall. Because each day gets shorter. That's after right. That. That, it's only going to get better from this point right. forward. Man, oh man. Well, so in in 2019, uh, we it seems like we had several meteor showers. I know summer annual, oh, yeah. but we had some special meteor showers this year, didn't we? Well, absolutely, Rosie. Every year on the calendar, and people can go. Of course, at the Dr. Sky blog here at KTAR.com, you can learn so much more. We also offer you the opportunity to get this star chart just right off that particular blog and my column there. But the point is, what you're asking about is meteor showers. There's usually one every couple of months. And every summer, the Percy is usually the big one. And, you know, we're up in Sedona doing things like a lot of people out of the Valley of the Sun. But even if you're here, if you're a desert dweller and you can't travel, that's, a, that's usually spectacular. We just had one a few weeks ago, uh, the Geminid meteor shower. Unfortunately, the full moon, Rosie, kind of wiped it out. But this weekend, just to alert people that just before the next winter storm comes in through here, you have an opportunity tonight to look into the northern part of the sky. The star, of course, that dominates that area is Polaris, the North Star. And just right around that area, we have a meteor shower going on for the next night or two called the Ursids. And it's not a super spectacular one, but the darker your sky and the better you can see the darkness, I mean, be out in the darkness, you may get to see 10 or so of these little objects from a comet that passed us a long time ago called Comet 8P, meaning the eighth periodic comet ever discovered called Comet Tuttle. But without the technicals, it's just a beautiful time to see as many children, as you alluded to, get the kids out there, a lot of young folks, to see the so-called shooting stars, this beautiful... And you know, all science doesn't have to be boring, obviously. There's so much romance in the fact that stars seem to twinkle, even though Dr. Sky takes a lot of grief for the fact that I usually tell people after we talk about the romance of the sky that stars don't twinkle. The atmosphere makes it that way. But you know what, Rosie? I'll stick with the romance of the sky. There you go. The well, is it way. romance atmospheric in a way? <laughs> yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, one of the first things... I taught every one of my children and every one of my grandchildren was, I want you to know how to find the North Star. Absolutely. And even my, even my four-year-old granddaughter can find the North Star. So we could watch the North Star tonight and possibly yeah. see some shooting star activity. That's correct, Rosie. And that star, by the way, Polaris, the North Star, this is interesting. When you're looking out, just you know, c- contemplate this. That star from the Earth is 400 and some 30, about 432 light years away. So just think, the time that you're watching it late here in 2019, 432 years ago, the light of Polaris left, and it just got here now. So a long time ago, that light left, just to show you the distance in the sky. But simply, Rosie, that is the area in the sky that the meteors from this Ursid shower are coming from. And what's good about it is that never sets for us. So the height of the North Star, and here we go a little technical, the height of the North Star is your latitude on Earth. So the simple way I like to do it is extend your arm, put your thumb on the horizon, and your index finger pointed straight up toward Polaris. That separation for most people's you know, hand size is about 15 degrees in the sky. So stack it once, twice, that's 30. And we live here right around 32-ish degrees latitude if you're in the Phoenix area. So the point is, however high that star is, so while you're waiting for meteors, because it can be sometimes 
a little bit of a task. There's no guarantee. That's the fun of this whole thing. Dress warm, drink something good that's warm, and uh, you and your family might be able to see something uh, magical. And you never know, Rosie, right, for the young people that are listening, maybe Santa and the entire entourage, they start off in the north too, right? That's right, they do. <clears throat> We're talking with Dr. Sky at Rosie on the House. It's our Arizona Hour. Interesting headline we'll be talking about. Rosie the Dummy gets to fly on Boeing Starliner. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. And true or false for a pair of Arizona State Park passes. These are the new ones that are good through the end of next year. We talked about Bucky O'Neill last week, and the statue is out in front of the Prescott Courthouse. He's the man responsible for recruiting over half of the Rough Riders from the state of Arizona. He died at the San Juan Hill Battle and uh, at the age of 38. Was Bucky his real name, or was that a nickname? Some say it was a nickname. If you think it's a nickname... True to 411923 if Bucky's his real name, false to 411923, and we'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment. Good for any of Arizona's 35 state parks. And I was looking at the park list today. I think if I picked one today, I think I would go to the Jerome. Jerome State Park with the weather the way it is, nice temperature. You're not getting all the way up into the snow yet. Nice. Talk about the sky. Dark sky. You got a beautiful. Beautiful uh, horizon to horizon sky. From there, you could run down to uh, the the uh, Red Rock State Park, which has been designated as an official dark sky state park. Right down the road, absolutely. Yeah. That that would be on my list. And they posted a great picture of the Superstition Mountains this week on their Twitter feed. I with the clouds and the rainstorms, it has just been a great month for pictures in Arizona. Yes, it has. So tell me about this trip, uh, Dad, on the Starliner, Boeing Starliner you get to go on? What's that? Well, that's a different dummy Rosie. <laughs> it wasn't me. No, th- this is a different Rosie? That's a different dummy Rosie. But I guess NASA launched a capsule yesterday, put a dummy nicknamed Rosie, Rosie the, for Rosie the Riveter. Uh, but I guess Rosie had a bad flight, huh, Dr. Sky? Well, you know, this is interesting, and when you text me about that, that we'd be talking about that, I said, wow, how apropos here. But no, you're no dummy, but they sent the dummy. You're right. But what's this all about, folks? What happened, Rosie, is that Boeing received about $4.2 billion from NASA to do something that Elon Musk is trying to do with the SpaceX Dragon 2. And Elon, and no offense to NASA, Elon's been having some really great success, at least in the rocket area. But the object that we're talking about, the spacecraft, is the Boeing Starliner CST-100, they made a, an attempt to launch, and inside this amazing capsule, by the way, the capsule itself will be able to seat up to seven astronauts. It's kind of, if you think back, folks, and think back, Rosie, about the Apollo capsule. Oh, gosh. This very tiny, cramped little thing, which, if, any, if you've ever seen it in the museums, I mean, God bless those guys that went to the moon. Only 12, of course, went to the surface of the moon, but many flew. But the point is, on this one, it's about 390 cubic feet of space, and what they wanted to do this time, launching it on top of this Atlas V, the launch seemed to go well, but what they have inside, it's Rosie the Rocketeer, and it says anthropomorphic, that's a big word this morning, I mean, <laughs> like dummy, and it's dressed in a beautiful Boeing blue spacesuit, 
with theoretically some Reebok shoes and some very special gloves that you're supposed to be able to use, the astronauts, to touch touchscreens. And this is really high tech. But what happened is, unfortunately, and this is the, the word's not totally out yet as to really what happened, some kind of a simple software glitch happened on this. So it never really wow. got to the proper orbit. So you have a lot of frustrated people, but on the, on the humorous side, the Rosie the Rocketeer, decked in the Rosie the Riveter classic bandana, is still providing the spacecraft is up there going around the Earth, but it cannot, because the orbital problems, actually do the docking. See, it's meant to go and replace, since we don't have shuttles anymore, a cheaper way for us to go to the space station other than using the Russian Soyuz. So Rosie the Rocketeers lined up and you know, all kinds of instruments, like when you go get those heart tests and everything, all the EKG monitors, just to see how an object like a human body will, form, will be able to perform in space with G-forces. But here's the interesting news. That spacecraft, Rosie, this whole Boeing Starliner, it will probably be intentionally deorbited to come down and soft land. Listen to this. This series will soft land no more on the, not land in oceans like we had at the Apollo, but it will soft land on the Earth. And the designated landing site for this is actually White Sands, New Mexico. So you don't, people you, out there may, may get to see that on Sunday with a parachute. You don't need an aircraft carrier to pick it up. You just need a Ford F-350. <laughs> That's right, my friend. Hey, now, now you're talking. I love From that. Sanderson Ford. Yeah, there you there go. You go. Yeah. Well, so that's what happened. It's, uh, but by the way, the first person to actually go into the spacecraft is a female astronaut named Nicole Mann. So in the tradition of Rosie the Riveter, a great female uh, icon who, of course, helped the war effort, as many people know, she, um, Nicole Mann will be the first of the female astronauts to fly aboard this. But on the other side, Rosie, SpaceX's Dragon 2 has not been without problems. Back in April on the 20th, they tested the vehicle, and it actually exploded. Oops. So Elon's got to do more than just fix the windows on the, uh, what, is, what is he, well, you know, uh, the new pickup truck. When you're dealing with that many pounds of propellant, yep. that many millions of pounds of thrust, mm -hmm. you have... It doesn't take much. And after four and a half billion dollars, you can still have a software glitch. Ouch, man, that hurts yes. you to think about it. You bet. When we get back, I want to talk more about this black hole. Now, I don't want y'all to worry about it because uh, it's not a neighborhood threat. It's five times 10 to the power of 18 miles away. But we'll talk more with Dr. Sky right after this. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Cause you're a sky, cause you're a sky full of stars. I'm gonna give you my heart. The answer for this week's true or false is true. That Bucky was a nickname. He was born William Owen O'Neill. The nickname Bucky came from bucking the tiger, which he had a tendency to do. It's a move related to the gambling game Pharaoh that was popular at, in the 1800s in the Old West. Now, Prescott's home of our featured Arizona staycation destination all month long, and there's something unique in Prescott. And I, think, I think we need to get in line to invest and help Dr. Sky invest in this. It's the tallest re single residential home in America. It stands at 124 feet. It's called the Falcon's Nest. It's at the base of Thumb Butte. And listen to this. It has a 2,000 square foot solarium at the center of the home, completely enclosed by glass panels. Now that's cool. Now, that does that not sound like a house for that, Dr. Sky? That that makes 
all the inconvenience of living vertically <laughs> worthwhile right there. Golly, man, what that would be so cool. And it sold in 2018 for $1.5 million. How's our GoFundMe account, Gary? Can, can we add that? We got, we got Frank Lloyd Wright's mansion down in Arcadia, and then we got to add this one to it. Half and <laughs> half is whole, whole and whole. And whole. Uh, $4.30. All right. Oh, we're up a buck and a half. Hey, hey, we're going to get there faster than the light from Polaris. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's for sure. We're here this morning talking with Dr. Sky about the highlights of what went on in the sky through the course of 2019. And before we move and look forward to the highlights that are coming in 2020, I'd like to take Dr. Sky back to a topic he started on this morning, this black hole. And it's not really a neighborhood menace. It's 25 times 10 to the power of 18 miles away. So it isn't like it's going to eat your dog tomorrow. (laughs) But these black holes, as I understand them, are actually consuming the universe within their periphery. And they're literally eating away at the universe. Correct me. What, what, What is a black hole? Very interesting, Rosie, as we continue here. It's amazing. It's a region in space-time that exhibits gravitational acceleration. And nothing, and I mean nothing, no particles, even what we call light and heat, electromagnetic radiation, can escape. It seems so improbable that the mind of man can even comprehend this. It's a region in space. There are probably many. But the big news for 2019, as I mentioned before, was the Event Horizon Telescope, which, by the way, is not an optical telescope. There are a series of radio telescopes around the world and they kind of made an image out of all the different you know, fluxes and radiation fields here. This is a massive area in space, but let the listeners understand it. And, and I'm trying to understand this, too, and I try studying this all time. Imagine an object, Rosie, 7 billion times the mass of the sun. 7 oh. billion times the mass of the sun. Think of the sun that just rose. You know, we're telling people that behind it, 27,000 light years, is the core of the Milky Way. Just think about this. The sun's 865,000 miles across. Imagine something 7 billion times the mass. So let's say you were close to this object in space, and I mean close within, say, light years. You would look out of this spacecraft window, and this, again, is, is kind of an exaggeration. There's a region around it, which we call the event horizon. And since light is, of course, moving into it in all forms of energy, it might appear as this shiny or very, very dimly lit, perfectly spherical object. Imagine taking a black ball bearing and in ambient light, not bright light, just seeing this glow of this perfect circle. Don't get too close to it, because what would happen if we did in our spacecraft, the horrible part, I know there may be kids listening, so we'll do it family-friendly. We might be spaghettified, meaning if our arm was out and the black hole pulled it in, we just wouldn't be zapped into it. We would be kind of like silly string, and reduced into the black hole. But, Rosie, there's something even more phenomenal. There's an object in space called OJ-287. People can look this up themselves. It's a binary black hole. Now, if you thought a black hole was big, think of this one. There's a number of these that were discovered. OJ-287 is this object in the constellation Cancer, the crap. Far away from us. No need to worry, folks. Christmas and the holidays can still go on. (laughs) Here's one that has equally the size mass, the main, the primary, 
But it's orbited, like we have the moon going around us, by another maybe 100 million mass solar mass black hole in which the two of them, every 12,000 years, this secondary black hole moves into the area around the black hole and it actually fires up something called, <laughs> get a lot of this, a large jet of energy that streams out into space, the most powerful radiation in space. And once that happens, if we're in the line of sight, like a lighthouse beacon when you see the light or an airport yes, tower, when you yeah. see the light, we call this a blazar. And can you imagine, this is unimaginable energy that's beamed out into space like the Death Star in Star Wars having this like powerful laser that shoots out into space. But we're talking trillions and trillions and trillions of electron volts in the cosmic ray region. Amazing, Rosie. I mean, this is just something that the mind of man is trying to understand how these things formed, why they formed. But it's what's going on behind us as we're shopping, shaking hands, hugging each other for the holidays. Lots of crazy stuff is going on way out there in space, and it's fascinating stuff. Oh, did I mean, I could keep you for hours. I mean, black holes existing at various locations throughout the universe mm -hmm. that are all-consuming. Nothing can escape them. No magnetic no. field, no <laughs> light particle, mm -hmm. no atom, nothing. And, Rosie, there's another form of energy that I know we don't have time to go into it today, and I don't mean to be conducting class here. I mean, it's early for a lot of folks. I, lo I love it. I love oh, it. Oh, thank you. Hey, then I won't, I won't apologize in any way. No, no, no. But, but the next part of energy that we're discovering is something called gravitational waves, and that's not just energy like we think of in the traditional sense coming out of something. A gentleman who I went to visit, I had his textbook in college. It was a book called Gravitation. And the textbook is like the old white pages of, let's say, Los Angeles or New York. It's that thick. And it was a book by a professor. I didn't have him as a professor, but Kip Thorne, Dr. Kip Thorne. People can look him up. I went to visit him at Caltech a few years ago, and I brought the book because, honestly, I'm always honest with the listeners, of course. I think I got like a C-plus in that class. And I brought the book there, and I had him sign it. And he said, well, why are you bringing the book back? And I said, well, I got a C-plus in it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to use this book when I do Dr. Sky events so little kids can stand on it as a step stool. And he got a big laugh out of it. <laughs> but the point is, the mind of man is trying to understand this. But he, along with others, I'm sure if they haven't already received the Nobel Prize, another form of energy is permeating the universe. And this is not just the traditional energy we're talking about, something even more esoteric, which is the gravitational wave concept. So... It's amazing time to be alive, and it's amazing time to be in Arizona. And you're right, Rosie. I mean, I came back from the New York area some 30-some years ago. No political conversation, but I wouldn't move back there for simply one reason. I couldn't see the night sky. So, you know, folks, and, and you know it, Rosie. You talk about it so eloquently, you and Romy and Jennifer and everybody on your show, that just get out of the lights. And even here in Phoenix, you can still see good things. Yes. We're, we're blessed, and I just hope that the tradition of the night sky continues here because we just have to continue to keep these monuments. And one of them be nice to have. Wouldn't it be nice, Rosie, you and I could start a little thing with the governor. We could get a license plate, you know, to preserve the night sky license plate. Wouldn't that be good? It would. It would. And as our new day dawns and the sun breaks the horizon, uh, and you have your guests arriving for holiday season, in particular kids. Because once, once a kid gets bit by that curiosity bug of the skies, they're pretty well infected for the rest of their life. Well, what activities 
would you encourage listeners to engage the young people? I mean, I, a trip to Fort Lowell, I think, is just oh, yeah. a must-be. It must be on your bucket list. Absolutely. And this is a place, and again, not selfless promotion here, but my professor in college was Dr. Tom Baugh, who was, of course, the discoverer of the then-planet Pluto. But the point is, he discovered it right back there in February 18, 1930. And you're right, Rosie, that, that's a real sacred and hollowed halls of, of the sky because people can not, not only learn about the legacy of Dr. Tom Baugh, but they can see from one of America's most amazing telescopes, the giant Clark. Centuries before, a century before, built the most amazing telescopes, and they created these gigantic, long, refracting telescopes. They're not mirrors. They're pieces of glass. And imagine in those days, in the 1850s and 1860s, they developed this most amazing optical clarity these lenses so they the lowell observatory have one of those clark refractors just a beautiful piece of history and a beautiful telescope to look at but let's say you can't get there i mean a lot of children ask that's right parents ask that's them, right yeah. go out with boy scouts and girl scouts and they do so many things and i do so many things there but i also wanted to mention quickly rosie that i'm having my 64th birthday on the dolly steamboat oh it's not so much about me but for the listeners that really want to do this family style and adult style, January 25th, mark the date down. Great trip. A great doing, trip. Frank, thank you. We're doing that cruise that leaves at 5 p.m. And people may wonder, well, why 5 and why not 8? But just around that time, the sun will set, two-and-a-half-hour cruise. So if you want to book that, not just to come and say hi to me, it's a good reason to get out and see the beautiful winter skies, 480-827-9144. That's 480-827-9144, dollysteamboat.com. January 25th, Saturday, 5 p.m. We'd love to see everybody out there. And I know you and your family just a few years oh. ago, right, Rosie? That was a great time. That was a great trip. You're on the steamboat. Uh, Dr. Sky has laser flashlights that go 47 million light years <laughs> into space. And he, yes. point, he points at everything that's up there. And, right. and we got the bonus that particular trip. As the sun was setting, we were able to observe a herd of bighorn sheep. They were down watering at the lake. So we we just had a spectacular adventure. That's January 25th, Canyon Lake. What's the phone number to? And this is a, we filled the boat with families and kids. It was beautiful. So it's 480-827-9144. Give them a call. Tell them you want the Dr. Sky Cruise January 25th. But Rosie, with those lasers, I just want to, you know, make, make it very clear. We point out the stars, not Southwest Flight 905 or... United Flight 21, because obviously those lasers are so powerful. So we just use them responsibly and make sure that if you do during the holidays, and I say this to a lot of folks that may have, they don't usually give lasers to children, but I'm saying that's an adult thing that needs to be handled in the most careful of manners. Well, if I can remember right, I asked you, I said, I want two of those. He said, well, you have to get licensed to use them. Well, you have to fill out some paperwork for these kind because, you know, when I hold both of them up, i I kidding around. And now that the Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, is out, I just say this way, Luke, I am your father. But then again, a lot of people look at those two lasers together. It looks just exactly right, Rosie, like a lightsaber. And its intended purpose is to show you these beautiful things in the sky. But they do go out... Uh, far and wide into the sky and it's a beautiful place to be and who wouldn't like canyon lake isn't it the most magnificent place it's a great lake that is january 25th folks if y'all are looking if you still have guests or your nieces or your nephews or your grandchildren this is 
a fabulous experience. Now, look, we're running out of time in this segment. We haven't even talked about what to expect in the night sky of 2020. So we're going to take a short break and come back, and we'll have a few minutes to kind of let people get their calendars out and maybe mark some of the highlights we're anticipating in the upcoming year of the night sky. So I'm, I'm certainly hoping we don't find any closer black holes. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why you had to hide away for so Well, a visit with Dr. Sky is like taking your brain like a ball of Play-Doh and just stretching it in every direction. You just begin to put your head around the things he's talking about, and then he blows you out another five million light years. And you've got to spend the rest of the conversation trying to catch up to him. We're here visiting with Dr. Sky about the highlights of what's going on in the skies of our universe in 2019. Talked a little bit about the Tesla-NASA race and the Starliner that was launched just Friday uh, with Dummy Rosie. She'll be back on Earth uh, Sunday, I think. Now, Dr. Sky, what can the kids, what can, if we've piqued anyone's interest in looking up, what should they mark their calendars for in 2020? Well, Rosie, great. The new decade, 2020, of course, just a little over a week or so away. I would suggest this. If you have a small telescope, take a look at the planet Venus. It's the bright object in the southwest part of the sky. You can't miss it. And by the way, that comes up this time of year, very significant for those of us, of course, that believe very strongly in the magic of the Christian holiday, Christmas. And of course, the big star of Bethlehem, Venus, is often attributed that and Jupiter, a great conjunction. But what's going to happen, Rosie, on the 27th of January, if you have a small telescope and you look at Venus, it's very, very close in the same field of the small telescope. Not only will be Venus, but the planet Neptune. And what's so ironic about that, in 36 years, they haven't been as close. So you're looking at an object that's maybe 100 million miles away and bright, and the little blue star-like object in the same field is about two and a half billion miles away, the planet Neptune, the farthest of the major planets, and Pluto has been, you know, removed and now a dwarf. That's cool, but that's a little technical. But for meteor showers, this is for to answer your question for everybody out there with just the naked eye. We have a number of good meteor showers. In April, the Lyrids, that occurs on the 22nd. It'll be good, and hopefully we can talk about some of these as we get closer. The Orionids in, of course, October, excellent year, no moon in the sky. The Leonids, November the 17th, excellent. And the Geminids, again, in 2020, more spectacular. But, but one of the big things in the entire year, Rosie, of 2020, in my opinion, is the close proximity of the planet Mars. It comes back to being exceptionally close and bright on the night of October 13th. It'll be close maybe months before, but closest on the night of October the 13th. Another great opportunity to see where mankind is headed, the next planet that we believe Humankind, ask Elon Musk anytime. Uh, he'll tell you that that's where they want to colonize. But the really big thing, Rosie, is this. Now, when we move into this new decade, 2020, this isn't as far away. Folks, if you want to get to see the next great American total solar eclipse, mark this date. Oh, that's April, right. April the 8th, Rosie, of 2020, 
all throughout Mexico, northern Mexico, the best place to see it, but unfortunately in high mountains, you probably don't want to go there, but through the great state of Texas, we're already planning to be in that somber place called Dealey Plaza, where we all know what happened back in 1963. That area and parts of Texas and all through the central part of America, the United States, we're going to look at being in Dealey Plaza. Can you imagine how awe-inspiring and how prolific that would be to see darkness four and a half minutes in daytime and then all of a sudden that shadow of the moon races across that most you know amazing place and the reason for that is probably people want to start booking and i have nothing to do with booking this thing we're just another bunch of spectators with our video equipment and cameras but imagine you stay in hotels downtown just walk downtown pray for clear weather but april 8th of 2020 and Rosie, I just wanted to end off on this, if I may. For those that want to know more, just email me at Dr. Sky, just Dr. Sky Show, because obviously, like yourselves, you know, we're proud to have our Dr. Sky Show here on this great radio station, KTAR. That show, of course, every Saturday morning around 3 a.m. But Rosie, it's a real honor to be able to be able to share this, and you know, it's like in our blood. You know, this is just a place that I don't know how to describe it, Rosie. It's just it gives me. It's very sentimental to me, and I, I mean that sincerely. That the beauty of this state and the most amazing skies and all the great stories that you talk about in your family about the great history of Arizona. It's a privilege and honor to be with you guys to talk well, about this. We, we love when you make time to join us, that's for sure. The website, one more time. Yes, just go to the KTAR.com website. Just go there for me. Look it up the blog because we have so much information there, like 200, I know, 250 weeks I've been providing content. But there, the listeners can go and get it. And this is good, too, because this will help kids out there. Not every child has an iPhone, or maybe you don't need one, or any kind of smartphone, whatever that is. Just go to the Dr. Sky KTR blog, ktr.com, find it on the right side of the page. And, Rosie, you can actually download a nice printable star chart. I love it. Link there where people can learn and find out many of the satellites. And don't forget that big thing called Starlink that Elon Musk put up there, the little satellites that are shoebox size. They go across the sky. They're kind of faint, but in dark locations, you'll see a train of 60 satellites, Rosie, going across the sky. Astronomers are concerned because they think that might you know, ruin some of their detailed or fine imaging. Wow. Boy, that looks strange when you see a train of satellites going across the sky, marching across like little lights in the sky. You can find out the position of those by going to that link for heaven. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Dr. Sky. Well, one of the things Dr. Sky taught me is... Go to the App Store and get Planets and download it. Or Skyview Light. No matter where you are, it tells you what you can see in the sky at night. Thank you, Dr. Sky. John J. Harper joining us in the Outdoor Living Hour. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go from the sky to your garden.